0: Welcome to the Before Midnight Podcast, brought to you from the M Plus One Studios, overlooking beautiful downtown Frankfurt. I'm your host, Brian Schenkenfelder. My co-host, Linda, could not be here today. As many of you know, the flu, COVID, sickness, whole bunch of stuff is all over the place. Linda's forced to stay at work. She's having to cover for other people. She can't get away. And so, I am once again... On the solo. I know so many of you are are sad about that, but that that's just the way it is. Today, we got an interesting episode. At least I find it interesting. I've recently turned 50, as many of you are aware. And I've been thinking a lot about personal philosophy. And mainly I've been going through and trying to enumerate my philosophical underpinnings so that I'm not just coming at with all these different things, and, and try to keep a, a core philosophical belief that I can go about living my day, day in and day out. Uh, and so I've been spending some time enumerating, and I've come up with what I think are six principles that encapsulate my philosophical outlook on life. I call it the one path philosophy. You have to give it a name. That's, that's the rules. So I, <laughs> I gave it a name. It's probably not very good, but hey, I've got one path I'm trying to follow, and these are the principles that I'm following. So since I'm solo, I get to talk about what I want. I'm going to go and share some of these six principles with you, and we'll see how it goes. If you've been around me for any length of time, you've probably heard me say, control what you can control. That's a very common phrase that comes out of my mouth, and really that is the first principle of my philosophical princesses principles. Let me let me dive into that a bit deeper to understand where I'm coming to coming from when I say control what you can control. And it really goes back to my days out of college. Well, I guess I was still in college. I was doing co ops at Lexmark, and they had what professional development courses. And the one they had us go through was Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It was a pretty good class, but the one I took away from that all these years later was the first habit of the seven, and that was to be proactive. And it wasn't so much the be proactive element of it, but it was something that was kind of deeper embedded into his explanation on proactivity. And that came from a story by about Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl was interred in a Nazi camp. He pretty much had everything pretty much stripped away from him in life. I mean, in those camps, they're humiliating. They were uh, disgusting, despicable. There, there's nothing good that came out of the, the, the concentration camps from a, any, any perspective you want to come at it from. Because the Nazis, they stripped everything from you. Your dignity, your self-respect, whether or not you were going to live or not. You know, but they took... Friechter Frankl realized in these horrible conditions, ones that most of us can't even begin to imagine living through, and he realized that they can take everything from you except your thoughts. And this really actually kind of goes back to Greek philosophy as well, especially the Stoics, they realized this as well, that, you know, hey, the only thing you have complete control over are your thoughts. And this is a pretty powerful concept here, in that, let me back up for a second. The, the, the only thing you have control of are your thoughts. Viktor Frankl summed it up better than, than that, in that, okay, yeah, I've got all these thoughts. But he, he realized that between the stimulus of the world around us and our response there's a gap. A gap. The, the gap may be varying size. But it, within that gap, we have the ability to choose our response. It's really our only freedom. It's the only thing we control. So when I say I am going to control what I can control, I'm going to control this response. This is the one thing I can control. How I respond to the world about me. And that really gets down to my second principle. We're responsible for how we respond to the world around us, how we react to the world around us. What are our responses when things come at us? That's the one thing we can control. And the other side of that is we are responsible for that gap. So we have this small little gap, but we're actually responsible for that gap. You know, when the powers that be, God, which whichever way you want to look at this, they made us like a seed. And it's our responsibility to grow that seed and become the potential person we need to be, like a tree. What kind of tree are we going to be? Are we going to be a stunted tree or are we going to be a fully developed tree? And that comes from making good decisions with that gap. To become the person we were meant to be, we need to utilize this gap to its fullest and take responsibility for that. But the other side, responsibility has two sides here, though, which is even more interesting to me, is that we're responsible for making good decisions with this gap. We're also responsible for the consequences of our actions, which is, interestingly enough, something we can't control. But we have that responsibility to accept whatever consequences come our way from the actions we take based on what the world gives us at any one point in time. And this becomes kind of my philosophical input, basis for everything I'm trying to do. It's how I manage this gap. You know, but people will tell me, they'll come to me and say, well, you know, I can control more than just that gap. I can control my breath. I can control when I go to bed. I can control my child. And I'm like, can you? You can control your breath. Okay, hold your breath for four minutes. Can't do that. You're going to breathe at some point. <laughs> When do you go to bed? I can control that. Do you? I tried to control that one night, and I had some drive, guy drive into my house. I was up for more, many more hours than I wanted to that night. I I can't control my child. What I can do is I can influence. And I think that's what people mix up when they think of control. They think of, well, I can control all these things around me. No, you really can't control those things. You can influence them. Like, I can influence my when I go to bed, right, I, by getting ready, going to bed, I can influence how I breathe. Like if I want to meditate, I can, I can control my breath in that sense of the matter. But I don't have total control. All I can do is influence those things. You know, these are just things that we can influence. And, and people really need to remember that, that you really can't control much. The only thing I can control is the gap Everything else are things that I influence. And the reality is, is the better decisions I make, the more my influence is going to grow, right? If if I'm helping people, like I'm helping, I'm being good to my child or I'm being good to an employee, you know, they're going to do good things in return back. The more we expand our influence, the more we can adjust how things are around us and adjust the inputs that come back into us. You know, like racing, I can influence the results of race. I can't control the results, So I'm not gonna I'm not. I don't know what's going to happen on race day, but I can influence those results by having good training, by preparing the best I can for a race. I can influence the results. I can't control the results, but I can influence them, and that's an important thing to remember. And really, what we're trying to do, and what we're trying to be responsible for, is to make the decisions to create the positive influence that we want to make in the world around us because the more positively we influence the world you know the better those the world's going to come back to us the easier it's going to be for us to manage that gap now one of the things that's interesting about managing that gap and, and taking responsibility for that gap is i was reading another book called the uh, chimp paradox chimp paradox and it was an interesting book because it looked at your mental state as having three parts. There was an automated part of your brain. And this is where like your subconscious lies. This is where your routines and habits are. This is this is where your beliefs are stored. You know, your beliefs that have come from your education, that have come from the environment you're in. All these environmental factors that help shape your beliefs all reside in this automated part of your brain. The second part the author calls the chimp. This is your survival instinct, so to speak. I I look at it as your emotional part of the brain. Because the emotional part of your brain is geared towards survival. Uh, You get angry as a way to survive. You get afraid. You're afraid because of survival. Your instincts push so many emotions so that you can drive the behavior you need to survive and the chimp being the emotional part okay let's let's move on to the third part the third part is your logical human brain this is where you process information and make logical decisions it's nine o'clock i should go to bed that is a logical decision and made by the human part of your brain Now, when we look at these three parts, we begin to rank them based on their power. The automation is great in that it kind of does its thing. It kind of controls you 90 plus percent of the time. The chimp, on the other hand, is the most powerful aspect of the brain. It's generally just sitting there happy, minding its own business. But once it rears its head, it takes control. It's the most powerful of these three aspects of your brain. It's the one that, you know, when it's the one that when it fires, dumb decisions are made. Like road rage. You're driving down the road, someone cuts you off. Oh, someone is now gone after my primal superiority. Therefore, I must be mad and rage and show them that, no, I am the dominant species, And, and that's always there, but it's not just rage is the emotion that takes over, but a lot of emotions can take over. You're you're racing. You're you're out riding your bike hard. Discomfort. Well, I'm gonna stop. This is not comfortable. I don't like this. Let me stop. Man, I'm really tired today. I don't feel like doing anything. Again, weariness, depression, these negative emotions that can really suck good decision making. I don't feel like doing it today. I'm not gonna go work out. Yeah, you know, that, that's that's stuff that happens. It's real world. And and joy can be just as blinding. In the decision-making process as well, I'm so excited about what's going on, I don't necessarily look at the full picture. I'm only looking at the the good stuff. And there's some other things in there that may cause me to make poor decisions because I'm so happy at the moment. And that gets me to to looking at this management of the gap um, within these three, so to speak, parts of the brain. And the emotional side is the enemy of rational thought at the end of the day you know we're human emotions are part of who we are it's how we survived for so many years and emotions are not necessarily something that should be suppressed but we also need to make sure they don't affect our daily decision-making and so my third principle is emotions are the enemy of rational thought I'm not trying to suppress emotion I'm not trying to be a Vulcan and deny emotion, what I'm trying to do is figure out how to better process emotion so that it doesn't destroy that gap between input and response. That's what I need to be able to do. And I need to be aware of my emotional states and how they can affect my decision making. How do I go about you know, avoiding emotional situations? How do I go about processing emotion? That's something that my third principle is all about is how do I go about doing that? The other part of the gap though is if we look at the automation side, the automation side takes that gap and disintegrates it just as easily as the emotional side does. But in this case, we've pre-selected our response to the gap. We're turning over that decision-making to our habits, our beliefs, our routines without asking ourselves is this the best use of my time right now? It's the morning. Maybe I read the paper or read internet sites before I I go to work. It takes thirty or forty minutes of my time. Maybe I have a report due at nine or ten that morning. A lot of times, just because it's habit, I'll be drinking coffee, maybe reading some news, and I'm wasting time that could be spent finishing that report. I've let the automation of my life affect my decision making in a way that maybe is not good. Something to be thinking about, and that brings us to our rational thought. Our rational thought is two things. The biggest thing is it's being in the moment. A lot of times I'll talk about you know you you got to live in the moment. When you're looking at flow, it's being in the moment. What we're doing is we are aware of our surroundings so that we are making rational thoughts. And not necessarily emotional thoughts. We're controlling the computer. We're controlling, we've got our hands on the wheel at this point. This is what we talk about when we talk about being in the moment, being aware of what's going on. Therefore, I can make rational decisions. The second side of this is that we can also examine our automation and begin to reprogram ourselves. We can make better default decisions. We can avoid emotional situations like road rage. You know, just changing how I look at other drivers. You know, there's going to be drivers out there that are, most of them are not what I drive the way I do. I know that in advance. There's no reason to get mad when they do something that is unexpected or what I don't believe is good driving. They're just doing what they believe is good driving. I No reason to get mad at that. If I come into driving and I'm paying attention I can avoid those situations where I flick somebody off or I honk my horn because I'm aware of the moment and if I can I can maybe begin to reprogram how I drive my belief system when I drive how I go about driving in such a way that I take away the chance for the chimp to get mad and and get back in there and one of the big ways of doing that is we come to my fourth principle Which is, good and bad are just opinions of reality. What we see as good or what we see as bad are just opinions of reality. Much like our driver situation a moment ago. I have beliefs on how someone should drive. Other people have a different belief system. One is not good. One is not necessarily bad. They're just philosophies for driving. I look at mine as good because, well, it's mine and obviously if someone else is doing something different it's not good it's bad but again those are just opinions of reality rain is a perfect example of this it's the afternoon i want to go biking it's raining oh my god this is horrible i i hate rain this is terrible i don't want to deal with rain but i might have a farmer down the street it hasn't rained in 2 months and they need the rain for their crops for them it's the greatest thing ever it's same reality it's raining the only difference is our opinions of the rain. So, what we're trying to do when I say good and bad are our opinions of reality is I'm just trying to look at my opinions, to evaluate my p- opinions, and see where I can maintain rational thought and better process my emotions. Driving being, I guess, the perfect simple example. I can evaluate how I drive what my expectations are for driving, and maintain rational thought by just changing how I opinion the things that are going around me. I'm no longer looking at this as a good or bad decision by the driver in front of me. I'm just looking at, okay, they made this decision. Now I got to do whatever I need to do to handle whatever the decision they made. That's just life. Therefore, I don't necessarily need to have an emotional response to that situation. These four of my six principles represent the core of how I go about uh, managing my day. The fifth principle is how you do some things is how you do all things. Some people have heard me say this before, especially around the pool. How you do some things is how you do all things. How you do some things is generally the response of your automated system it's not necessarily a rational decision so what how you do some things is how you do all things is a reminder to program ourselves to execute reminder to give ourselves good habits make sure our default programming is good we don't want to be sloppy in our practices because how i if i'm sloppy in practice i'm going to be sloppy in the game If I'm sloppy with some of my work I do, I'm going to be sloppy in all the work I do. That's just human nature. That is our automated systems working. We cannot be in the moment 99, 100% of the time. It's just not possible. The automated systems have most of the control. We need to make sure our programming is good. How you do some things is how you do all things. It's a reminder that I need to get better at my programming. I need to be better about not accepting bad programming. And it's these five core principles that I use to manage this gap, our one true freedom. The one thing was so precious in life, our ability to choose our response. And these five principles help me manage them. You know again, it starts with controlling what I can control. The only thing I can control is the gap. I can influence a lot of things, but I can really only control this gap. So that's the key first principle. My second principle, we're responsible for how we react to the world around us. We are responsible for that gap, both in making good decisions and the consequences that come with it. If we make good decisions, the consequences will be more positive than negative. Third, emotions are the enemy of rational thought. What I'm looking for is how do I manage that chimp? The chimp is going to be there. He's going to rear his head. He's the strongest, so when he takes over, he takes over. How can I better manage the chimp? And that was really the the whole purpose of that chimp paradox book, is how do I better manage it through using my logical human part to, one, be more in charge, and number two, probably more importantly, deal with our default programming, make our default programming better so as not to upset the chimp. And we've got to realize... And then from my standpoint, what I realize is that, you know, emotions happen. I'll get mad at a game. I'll get mad driving. Uh, I'll feel tired just sitting here and I don't want to do a task. I don't feel like doing a task. It's so easy to procrastinate. Well, those are feelings. I need to be able to combat those feelings with rational thought. And, you know, I don't need to rest right now. I need to get this done. I need to get this out the door. I don't need to put this off until later. I need to do it now. I need to let my emotions go. I don't. My fear of making a phone call. I'm going to go out and make that phone call. There's no reason to be fearful of trying to call somebody. Call. It's not the end of the world. They're not going to kill you. <laughs> most likely. And so it's important that we control our emotional state. My fourth one was good and bad are our opinions of reality. This is just to remind me every day that most of the time what I see as good and bad is just my opinion of reality. And I get to make sure that that doesn't create an an, an emotional state that I don't necessarily, that will affect my rational decision making. Like, I believe it is wrong to do X. Well, okay, it's my opinion that doing X is bad. I got to realize that. When When I see someone doing X, I don't necessarily get angry and mad. It's like, okay, X happened. I don't agree with it but it happened it's not good it's not bad what can i do about it how can i process the situation remove anger from the situation and get on to the next thing it may have created an obstacle but the obstacle becomes the way i don't need to rage against the machine i just have to go with it it's like being attached to a cart let's say you're a dog attached to a cart the cart's going to go down the road you've got this long leash You can go around, you can enjoy it, you can have fun, or you can fight against the leash and just beat your head against the wall all the time. It's easier just to go along (laughs) and have fun within the parameters of the cart or the person walking you down the street rather than just spending your whole time fighting against reality. And so many times we fight against that reality. And so good and bad opinions of reality is to help me to remember that when I say something is good, when I say something is bad, those are just my opinions. And I can change those opinions to help me deal with the emotional side of it. Because at the end of the day, it's still just an opinion. And that's the one thing we can control. We can control our opinions. We can control our thoughts. And then my fifth principle is how you do some things is how you do all things. And this is just, again, a reminder to program ourselves to execute. Remind us to have good habits so that we are, when we are not in the now, we are making good choices with that gap and not just leaving it up to bad habits and and random things that affect us negatively. My final principle as I wrap up here is more of a perspective principle and and less to do with managing the gap. The first five are all about managing that gap. The sixth one is more of a perspective thing. And that is, all things come to an end so enjoy the moment. You know, someday I won't be able to go out for a bike ride. So let's enjoy this ride we're going on right now. Someday I won't be able to go to the pool and swim. I may die. I may just age out and and can't do it. I'm too old. I can't. I can't do those things again. That's going to happen. So let's go out and enjoy the moment. I, when I say all things come to an end, it's not meant to be a sad reflection on life, like oh my God, we're all going to die. It's so horrible to think about how we're going to die. It's not thinking about it that way. It's thinking that life is limited. So let's enjoy the moment we have right now. So many times you'll hear somebody who has, who's diagnosed with some type of cancer or some other disease that limits the number of years they may be living. And they get more enjoyment out of life. They realize, that, oh my gosh, my time is finite. Let's go out and live life at a higher level. So many times we just let life pass us by. And so all this pers- does is give me that perspective that, hey, I can't just let life pass me by. I need to go out and enjoy this day. I don't know how many days I'm going to have left. I don't know if somebody's going to drive into my house and and, <laughs> and kill me on any given day. We don't know when the end is coming. But that's not a reason to be sad. That's a reason to enjoy the moment. Let's get out there and enjoy it. And When I go out for a ride, you know, someday I'm not going to be able to ride my bike that's okay let's enjoy this ride this ride is special it's one of the ones i'll get to enjoy in my life and it gives me the perspective that i need to go out and enjoy every day of life because at the end of the day it's your choice i tell all my athletes at the end of the swim practice have a great day if you want to because at the end of the day it's a choice and that is your freedom so please utilize that freedom and have that great day